The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Nine minutes after eight and welcome to the Forum at Eight. Now, the first Monday of 2016 was marred by a string of racial slurs regarding black beachgoers. Former Yawitz Properties estate agent Penny Sparrow posted racist comments calling black beachgoers monkeys in an apparent reaction to the litter that was left after New Year's celebrations. This sparked angry responses mostly on social media and Sparrow later deleted her post and apologized or... uh, at least that's what she said. Uh, the post went viral within a few hours. And at the same time, Standard Bank also announced that they had suspended well-known economist Chris Hart, pending an inquiry into his inappropriate assumptions and commentary about South Africa and uh, regarding the victim mentality and the treatment of minorities. So on the forum at eight this morning, we ask... Is South Africa headed towards a race war? What are your views on this? 0891-104-208. The lines are open. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or send us an SMS to the number 34701. So uh, just to um, start this off, we're going to play you an interview that uh, Penny Sparrow did with News24 in which she defended her monkey's comments. And uh, this, I suppose, was her attempt at an apology. There's been many things said uh, on Facebook this year. On the beaches, they were happy. They were having fun. It was lovely. It was great. It was the aftermath that was so sad. When I drove home and uh, it it was, uh, you know, making love in the bushes and all that, well, fine, carry on. You know, it doesn't matter to me if they want to do that. But the dirt, the dirt was terrible. I didn't mean it. I really didn't mean it to be nasty and horrid and and I've put an apology on. I've put an apology to say that I didn't mean it personally to anyone. It's just a general, you know, I've worked with blacks, I'm kind, I give, I give them, I help them, all of them. They all like me, accept me, joke with me. Not, not, not that I recall putting it like that. I just recall saying that there were so many black people that it was like the monkeys are. They're like monkeys dropping rubbish everywhere and, and the streets and everything was bad. But I made the mistake by comparing them with, a, our monkeys are cute. They are cute, but they're naughty and they, they, you know, but they don't see them as cute, naughty little things. What can I say? I can't, I suppose they have to say that. They're looking after their people. They've got blacks that support them, Indians. They've got everyone and they're trying hard. And that was Penny Sparrow speaking to News 24. And I must just admit that I've not seen, um, you know, a response to a racist uh, rant or a post on social media as did uh, follow this particular one by Penny Sparrow. And joining us for the discussion this morning, uh, Shaka Sisulu. Shaka, thanks for speaking to us this morning. Thanks, Sakina, for having me. I can't, this is my first time hearing that interview. I can't believe what I'm hearing. What is it about it that baffles you? Uh, I suppose the... Uh, I mean, I suppose the complete disconnection with uh, with um, with her having an understanding of why... Um, why what she said was wrong. It just baffles the mind. 
And perhaps this is part of the problem in that, um, and, and I'm not trying by any means to make an excuse on behalf of uh, Penny Sparrow, but as you say, she doesn't seem to grasp what she is saying and, and, and the offense that it actually um, you know, brings to millions, if not billions of people. She, 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 she doesn't seem to understand that the um, connotation of likening people to monkeys is one that is an absolute no-no. Yeah, and I mean, also, she doesn't appreciate the historical context because I think, in fact, not I think, because a lot of white people have not had to do any work. They've not had to, uh, you know, if you were in an abusive relationship and you decided that you were going to, um, you know, turn the corner, you would have to do work. The things you'd have to do, things you'd have to accept, things you'd have to look at about your own behavior and your attitudes. And and for a lot of wives, they haven't had the, um, you know, the moment where they thought, no, we, we need to make some changes in, 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 in how we think and in how we relate to other people. So this is inevitable. Um, and... Uh, and, and I think it's it's quite sad that 22 years uh, after democracy, you still have white people publicly saying these things. It's actually unacceptable. If you look at it and, um, you know, you talk about this democracy and if you think about our constitution and, you know, the constitution being very clear on um, South Africans, the Bill of Rights spells out exactly how this country is to be governed, um, amongst other things. And then you look at the institutions that have been put in place in order to ensure that that Bill of Rights actually, um, you know, is uh, taken through to its full conclusion. But then... It only extends to institutions and the law. How do you then extend this message into the hearts, the minds, and the homes of South Africans um, who for a very long time, um, you know, lived in a country alongside us where racism was institutionalized, Shaka? Well, I mean, I, um, I think that part of what needs to happen from the side of people who are offended by these things is, is what we're trying to do now, which is we need to start leveraging the institutions that, um, you know, that promise us, uh, you know, uh, equality and so on and, and social justice. So we need to start leveraging the, the things in the law, the things in our institutions that say that you can't be racist. And we need to start testing it through that because... It's one thing if a white man insults me and I, you know, and, and I let it go. Uh, it's another if a white man insults me and I use the full might of, of what is supposedly available in law to actually uh, take him to task. I think that's what needs to start happening. We need to actually take more and more of these uh, racist, particularly white racist, uh, you know, that, that don't even understand what they're talking about. We need to take them to task. There needs to be a display... Uh, nationally, that there's a consequence. That this is not business as usual. You don't simply, uh, we're not just going to continue to live in a world where we can be insulted and disrespected uh, ad nauseum, year after year after year. Uh, you know, so we need to start actually applying these things that we supposedly have put in place to protect South African people's dignity. And, and, and you say this has been happening ad nauseum. And I just want to know, 
South Africans, we've been seeing these messages forever and a day. You've had, um, you know, some um, uh, news um, uh, um, entities actually closing down their comment section because of uh, some of the bile that was being spewed there. So why now? What is it about this particular post uh, that has basically sent South Africans over the brink, as it were? I think uh, the... I think the energy of South Africans right now is that we're just not prepared to take any any more crap, generally, you know. And um, and uh, I think for many black people, you know, uh, starting from last year where we started to see young people say, you know, we need to decolonize our own space. And, and last year, really, there were many instances where black people started to become aware of how stifling, uh, uh, you know, a, whiteness is, particularly because now it's extended beyond the poorest of the poor, you know, who would rely on white people. It's extended into a space where middle-class blacks who don't ever, <clears throat> who don't actually need white people in their lives are also affected by uh, the stranglehold. So I, I think people are just hard people are tired, people realize that there is no change and generally uh, there is no... Um, there's no quid for poor, there's no, uh, there's no preparedness for a lot of white people to do the necessary work towards transformation. White people always throw this thing, uh, rainbow nation, rainbow this, rainbow nation, you know, in our faces. But I don't see white people actually getting up, putting their hands up and wanting to do the work that it's going to require for that rainbow nation to exist. Do you think that we are now on the brink of a race war? I think we've been in a race war for over 350 years. I think we, we, we took a pause, um, you know, and, and now perhaps people want to resume. It, I think that uh, we are, what we have done over the past probably 20 years is kind of dumbed down the, 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 the racial issue of South Africa because it has been an issue for centuries. You know, it is something that, the whites themselves, when they were in power, called the national questions. They grappled with all the time. What do we do about the fact that there are all of these black people? It was a constant refrain. And now that you've had black people in authority, there has not been the same kind of discussion around the national question. What do you do around the fact that you have uh, uh, two uh, civilizations that have been clashing for hundreds of years and one was brutally uh, oppressing and suppressing the other, and now they're supposed to have some form of equity inequality. How do you manage that? I don't think we've given enough thought uh, critically to it. So, of course, this is the kind of result we're going to happen. I don't think tomorrow we're going to hack each other to death, um, but I do think that we have been in a, in a race war for hundreds of years, and this is uh, the next iteration of that. Well, Shaka Sisulu, you stay there. I want to introduce Commissioner Janet Lover, Acting Chairperson at the South African Human Rights Commission. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, hello, Safina. It's a pleasure. Good morning to you and your listeners. Uh, Commissioner, if you could just perhaps start by just reminding us about the mandate of the Human Rights Commission. Um, the Commission's mandate is to promote, protect um, human rights and to in the course of doing that to ensure that there are opportunities for the public to um, raise complaints and to have those complaints investigated. The Commission also has a particular mandate with regard to 
the Equality Act legislation. And um, so a number of the complaints that we do receive do deal with issues um, that um, are related to incidents of racial discrimination, um, racial prejudice, hate speech of various kinds, and so on. Um, the, the mandate is very wide. Um, as we know, our um, socioeconomic cultural rights um, that are contained in our Constitution are very broad. Um, but the, and the scope, therefore, um, of what the Commission can do is equally wide. But of necessity, it requires, I think, a lot of people to be part of that um, engagement with the Commission to make what the Commission does a lot more effective. Um, I'm not sure if I've answered your question adequately, but let me... You, you certainly have. And then and just looking at what we are currently grappling with, um, it's not just Penny uh, Sparrow. There are quite a number of other posts as well that are, um, you know, uh, derogatory. When it comes to this one, though, the Penny Sparrow one that seems to be at the center of the storm, um, I see people this morning sending me their submissions that they've made to the Human Rights Commission's complaints that they've lodged. Um, have you ever dealt with anything quite like this in the 22 years of democracy? Well, I, we have received the complaint, and um, I, I'm pleased to, to hear from you that uh, listeners have um, added their voices um, expressing how they're perceiving um, what was um, uh, said by uh, Penny Sparrow, both uh, in her post as well as in this uh, extraordinary interview that we heard played back to us at the beginning of your show. Um, but um, And the reason that it's important that others are raising those concerns is because I think what the Commission would want to do in this instance, which it has had to do in other instances, by the way, um, would be to want to interrogate what, um, the what first of all, the um, internalization and um, the impact of these kinds of statements um, has had on people, on their lives, on their own perception of um, who's got what place in a country that um, is supposed to be uh, having a democracy and having a level of equal access. Um, but I think secondly, it also gives us um, ideas about what sort of tools we need to recommend are pursued in order to both um, address the specifics of uh, Penny Sparrow, and I can't comment on what um, the outcome of the investigation will be, obviously, but also to look at what kind of measures. I heard um, the uh, earlier speaker, Shaka um, Sisulu, talking about things that um, I think are very important. We, it is unacceptable for um, racial statements to be made, and we do need to test what um, what our law offers us. We need to test what institutions like the Human Rights Commission can do, but equally we need to test how effectively we can use our courts and what it is that we can design as a realistic consequence that ensures that business isn't as usual. Because I think what um, this particular incident um, uh, links to is not just a question of people um, uh, feeling outraged and feeling um, uh, a level of insult that is um, very difficult, I think, to even put into words that um, are halfway uh, reasonable because of the anger 
that um, these sorts of statements provoke, but it also links to power dynamics. It links to the fact that you've got people who have been um, living in a South African society that is still dominated by the economics of white privilege, and you've got that inequality that is running as a river right underneath um, so many of these incidents that happen. It's not just about the fact that people who are having the possibility of accessing facilities that possibly Penny Sparrow grew up um, or Chris Hart grew up taking for granted, who were denied access to facilities because of the outrageous, oppressive, discriminatory nature of apartheid. That's the river that runs through it. It's the river of access and privilege financial, economic, cultural, that I think we do need to address in a much more systematic way. So what recourse does the law offer in the Penny Sparrow case, for example? Look, the Penny Sparrow case will be investigated, as I said, quite systematically, and I wouldn't want to prejudge that. But what it links to is the concept of, um, first of all, hate speech, and secondly, um, I think it's, it's how the law would interpret that. And secondly, I think it links to the way in which society as a whole has to use its, um, its majority muscle to ensure that uh, the, uh, the, the sanction that is possible to lever is not just a sanction of a criminal justice system, but is a sanction of society in a much more um, comprehensive way. It's one thing for the, her, her, her previous employer to distance themselves from her, but what action are they going to take? Um, it's another thing for um, her to be uh, part and parcel of a political party that itself is also in investigating and creating sanctions. But there's a broader scope, I think, that society as a whole does need to look at, not only in the specifics of one individual, but in a general way. Um, I agree again with what was said earlier, that we have situations where people become... um, uh, Hello? Yeah, you carry on, please. Sorry, people are subject to various forms of abuse, and they have to decide whether or not to let it go. The reality is that one hopes that people will not only not let it go, but will be supported to take all of these things up and, and uh, to be able to ensure that we have a society, that we're debating this, not only in relation to one person's um, uh, actions and comments, but in relation, as I say, to the threat that runs underneath it, the power dynamics that gave birth to the centuries of a race war that I think I agree we are still very much part of. Well, um, line's going crazy. Let's bring in the listeners. 0891-104-208, speaking to Commissioner Janet Love as well as Shaka Sisulu. Mike in Durban, what's your take on this? Uh, Good morning to you, Satina and the listeners. Uh, Satina, I live along Beach Front, and I'm an activist along Durban Durban's Beach Front. I know just about everything that happens there. As far as I know, there were no racial incidents along the beachfront. Uh, the 16th of December, which is a very busy day, uh, Christmas, a medium, and the New Year. There were some incidents. Uh, the only 
the only serious incident was uh, a gang of people attacking a law enforcement van, throwing a bottle at the window, and attacking one of the female members who had to be admitted to hospital and then discharged. But otherwise, uh, uh, the crowd were very, very well behaved. Mm. Very well behaved. Uh, so, 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 there was a lot of litter. Mm-hmm. Plenty of litter. Uh, some years ago, they, they recorded 55 tons of litter picked up along, along the beachfront. I, I keep records of all this. Yeah. Um, so what's the problem with that, did. Mike? I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, people, uh, when you do make a mess, when there is litter, pick up after yourself. But yeah. uh, uh, why would you then, um, as uh, Penny did in this instance, why feel the need to uh, refer to people as monkeys? Uh, I don't know. She might have been in the Suncoast area and uh, mistaken the grey vervet monkeys that hang around in the bush that run out and look for handouts. But they are... Mistaken them for what? For people? No, I'm just joking. There's a lot of of grey vervet monkeys there uh, that hang around in the bush. And along the beachfront, there's a lot of sparrows. I actually feed them just about every day. I'll give them bits and pieces of what's left over. All right. Mike in Durban, that's Mike on the Durban Beach Run. Thank you so much. And, and, and um, you know, the, the thing that Mike was saying about the litter, yes, it's one thing to say, you know what, people, you've made a mess and this is unacceptable. But Penny Sparrow didn't leave it there. She went over to the other side and exposed, I suppose, who she truly is. This morning, uh, we in conversation with Shaka Sisulu and Commissioner Janet Love from the South African Human Rights Commission talking about uh, what has erupted over the first few days of 2016 and asking whether we are headed towards all-out race war in South Africa based on uh, some of the comments that have been going to and fro on social media. And um, just the issue, before I go uh, back to the lines, uh, this issue of monkeys and likening People, black people, especially to monkeys, is totally unacceptable. And I don't understand why people don't understand that this is not funny. Because the ape insult is actually about differentiating yourself biologically, culturally and otherwise so that you can maintain your superiority over someone else. Because if you say that someone is an ape, if someone is a monkey... What are you trying to do? Because all you are succeeding in doing is demeaning, dehumanizing and humiliating someone. And it is dehumanizing. So it's not funny ever to call someone a monkey. So let's just be clear on that and go back to the lines now. 0891-104-208. Alan in Durban, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good and you, Alan. I'm fine. Thank you. I think this um, this whole Penny Sparrow issue has been a really interesting one to watch unfold, and, and for me, the most the the most concerning bit of the whole piece is listening to her interview this morning, where it's so clear that she is ignorant in the extreme of how offensive she's being. She just simply does not understand. I think her life has been one of um, of shelter and privilege, and one of them versus us. So every time when she is talking about people other than herself and her friends and her community, she is she feels kind of somehow um, enabled to to talk about them in a derogatory way, in a way which doesn't even 
it doesn't register with her consciousness that she is being derogatory. So I wonder if there isn't something that needs to be done at an educational level in our country to, to really um, lift the carpet and say, these are the things which are highly offensive to each other. And I'm not just talking about that white say to black, because I think it, it does go both ways. Um, but to, to almost create this cultural regeneration, this, this moral regeneration that we've been speaking about, to say, what is it to be human? What is it to be African, to be South African? And what are the things that we have in common that we can build on rather than what are those things that differentiate us that if we continue to talk about and continue to identify are just going to, to continue to separate us? Surely the end of apartheid means that we want to bring together rather than create further divides. Well, thank you so much, Alan. In Durban, let's hear from Sipo Sitole in Johannesburg. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I'm, I'm upset and disappointed at the same time. Um, I grew up at Umlazi Township, and I used to walk as a kid from South Beach to Blacks Only Beach in the north side of the, of the, of the front beach. And I remember as a kid being called a monkey. I remember that very well at one instance, but I won't go to that point. But what makes me upset is that I'm 53 years old today, and I'm still being called a monkey in this democratic state of ours. And as as, as Sharaf Islu was saying, you know, I, I even doubt that this democracy works for us as the majority uh, black people in this country. This democracy works for a, a few people, and I don't even think what this constitution means to a, a lot of people. It's for the privileged and for those that are in power, because we are still suffering the same indignity that we have suffered over the years. But what confuses me the most, and I'm asking this question, I don't even know what the consequences are. And for one to even say, I mean, Janet Love says we're going to investigate. She's just been interviewed. She's admitted that she said those things. What is the investigation? But what are the consequences of racism in this country? Mm. I think this government has sold us a raw deal. This democracy does not work for us as South Africans. Well, That's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much. Uh, Sipo Setole, consequences, what consequences? And um, I think Shaka made that point earlier. Perhaps this is why racism thrives in South Africa, because seemingly there are no real consequences for that. Uh, let's speak to Bonagele in uh, Kailicha. Good morning. Very good morning, Sakina. Uh, listen, there's one thing that I want to tell you, the whole country or the listeners of this uh, program. If Bonakele, where I am calling from, asking a question as to whether, where do the white people come from? I would be wrong to say, look, they, 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 come, they come from Holland. So if they don't want to live in peace with black people here, they call these racist remarks. They must go back to Holland, where they belong, their forefathers come from. You understand? So my point is this now. For, for people to be told they need an education, I mean, we're talking about grown-up people, now, yeah? And we're talking about a, a, a new dispensation, a new South Africa, where people are supposed to live in peace, not such... You know, these comments, you know, remarks, people are called baboons, monkeys, not acceptable at all. I'm also angry, as other callers have already said. So what I'm saying... Who white people, not all of them, 
those who don't want to go with the with the same route that we're going, same uh-huh. beaches like in the during during apartheid, they must go back to Holland where their forefathers come from. That was Bonagela in Kailicha. Uh, Yabingwa in Langa, good morning. Good morning, Sukina. Uh, you see, the, the, the one thing that disappoints me, Sukina, is that, uh, I mean, we, we we're acting surprised here. I mean, I can uh, relate to you many instances. I mean, just recently there was the issue of Diane Kola Barnard. Uh, and now there's this issue. I mean, there, there are many issues. Uh, 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 remarks that have been made in the past uh, derogating black and we, we today in this radio program we, we, we act surprised that in South Africa we have such people and uh, I mean I can tell you now that uh, certainly these people are they, they, they are dear members uh, we, we know that uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know why we, we, we act in surprise I don't know why the, in fact, uh, I, I was listening to uh, uh, another program yesterday, and uh, one of the callers uh, said it that uh, it is actually the the ANC government that is letting us down, that are, are gatekeepers for these people to be able to to do the things that they do in our country okay. at, at our at, at our expense. I mean, we we shouldn't be acting surprised here. All right. Thank you so much, Yabingwa. Muswekaya in Butterworth. Good morning. Good morning. Look, there are, there are three reasons why we, we have these things. One is that we have a very, very incompetent human rights commission that seems to be interested in, in people apologizing. A case in point was when I lost a complaint when 702's Eyewitness News published that cartoon, I lost a complaint, they apologized, and the Human Rights Commission said to me, do I still want to continue with it if they apologize? I said, yes, I want to continue with it. They did not respond to me. So that sheer incompetence, coupled with the fact that up to this point, people that have been tasked by the ANC government, uh, which is not at fault in this case, to, 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 to ensure that they, they, they promote human rights culture in this country. They, they are failing to do that. Everyone that has been in the Human Rights Commission needs to account for this because they cannot tell us that to this point there, is, there are no consequences for racism in South Africa. I mean, how, what, what else do they want to happen in South Africa? People were mistaken for, were killed uh, and uh, in, in court they were mistaken for, for animals, for dogs and all these things and still there are no consequences for racism. I think the, the Woolworths matter and, and, and the incident before that has sort of encouraged South Africans, both black and white, those who love freedom and democracy, to speak out against this thing. And I, I think until black people stop, stop supporting uh, uh, white supremacy, we are not going to end this thing. We need to start buying black. I, I'll keep on saying this thing. Okay. Yeah. Victor in Mangueng, good morning. Hello, Sakina. Thanks for taking my call. Sakina, uh, two quick points. Uh, uh, this, uh, 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 these guys are selling houses, Javits. Mm-hmm. They say she was waiting for them. 
when she signed this statement, she was still employed by them. Same story with the Sana Bank. They suspended her. Do you know what happened? There's a short route of saying, well, we'll take disciplinary action whatsoever. After a week or two, they are back at work. It's very simple to wrong an African. I call myself African, not black. They are Euro-Africans because they're not born in here. You know, we're taking a very soft stance. We just keep begging them all the time. Even now we're talking about human rights, whatever. You're taking the very people coming from the very same oppressor, and you put them right in front of there. What will they do? Nothing. They're still on the comfort zone, and they will never leave it alone. As long as you suffer, they don't see the consequences. For now, if you can take like a DA, these two, even, uh, what is his name, Hart, he's definitely supporting DA, there's no doubt about it. If you can take uh, Kola Banner, and you take uh, Mike from Newlands, which I call him a racist, and he says an activist, what did he, where did he act, what did he do? But now let me just talk quickly about DA. The, you know, we're talking about BEE. My man is fronting DA. This spokesperson is fronting DA. My man takes a decision of firing Kolabana to show that he has a token there. They got a federal thing in Cape Town somewhere there. Helen Zilla and uh, the other guy who at one stage uh, uh, he gave a a tender to Lascaris. And then uh, they find that he made a mistake. To him, does have done nothing. He's all been swept underneath the, the thing. Okay. But they reversed that decision of Colabana being fired. Okay, got you there. Not sure, uh, Chris Hart, I don't know if he votes DA, uh, and uh, you say you're sure, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, moving straight along to uh, Dean in Durban. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Can you... Okay, um... You know, the, the thing is, I think there's uh, great polarization, and we, as we know, and I think the book out by Burial, um, you know, uh, What If There Were No Whites in South Africa is, is pretty timely. I don't know if anybody's actually looked at that. Um, a lot of the other ones by, like, Professor Johnson, uh, Janssen van Furen, I should say, uh, after those, uh, the, the university where there was uh, discrimination exercised before, which was worse than that anyway. The reason they go into it is is largely a lot of, and I'm speaking as a as a Mulungu, Yabon, uh, a lot of whites are actually actually grown have grown up with that at the dinner table, etc. In other words, it's been inculcated also in the military, and I think one of the problems is, and it hasn't been addressed, uh, myself included, having come out of the old SADF, which I believe largely was a mechanism to to actually indoctrinate people into an apartheid mindset. They weren't, as it were. Um, it wasn't addressed. There wasn't interventions in place such that when they came out of there, they actually learned to not have that um, indoctrination in themselves. For myself, largely being in townships and so forth, I see it differently. And being in what I would call a microcosm of the new South Africa, I work in the swimming pools and so forth. So I'm on the ground. You see these things, and I believe they can be addressed. But here's the flip side. (sighs) 
If we can get Dean back, because, you know, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask to Dean, because what do you think needs to be done and who should be doing the work? But uh, whilst we've lost Dean there, um, I just want to get a response from the panel very quickly, and then we'll come to Dr. Nyati. Um, uh, uh, Commissioner Love, let me start with you. People don't seem to have much faith in the Human Rights Commission, saying that, you know, um, basically it's a toothless organization and that, um, you know, you're very soft. All you want is a Apologies and nothing more. Um, Sakina, thanks for that. And I think the issue that um, Muzi raised is one that I don't know the exact detail of, but what I would say is that the Human Rights Commission isn't an institution that has its own criminal justice system, its own courts, etc., etc. We have to work through those kinds of situations. And that, I think, also speaks to the issue that Mr. Sitole raised, about what are the consequences and what is there to investigate. The Human Rights Commission has to investigate what options there are for for sanction. I'm very um, sorry that if, um, uh, I'm sorry I I didn't catch his surname, if Muzi from Butterworth uh, feels that the apology should have been taken further and he didn't receive a response, that in itself is very, um, is, is not acceptable and he should have received a response, but it may well have been that the response would have been that the Commission itself is not having an ability to use the law, insofar as hate crimes are concerned, to provide criminal kinds of sanction, and what other sanction is then available. And I think that that is part of the conversation that does have to happen. You've had um, uh, various people talking about um, uh, ensuring that there is the leverage of the black majority using its economic buying power as, as, as one method of economic sanction. Um, you've had somebody refer to the book by Ferial Hathaji of looking at what does it mean not to have whites in South Africa. But all of these things are part of a discussion I think that we do need to engage in. Um, and uh, lastly, the point that I'd like to make is in relation to something that an earlier caller, Alan, mentioned about the possibility of education. I think education is important, but I also think we need to look at the fact that there are not enough people who were part and parcel of creating a system who have actually had to experience the kind of accountability um, that we should have held them to. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, required a follow-up and an accountability We have an economic system that we do need to attend to as a country in order to ensure that there's a much greater equality of economic power. We have Mm. cultural debates and issues that need to be sorted out in order to ensure that we don't have an imposition of language and culture in a way that makes people put at a disadvantage purely because of the family um, language that they speak from from the day of their cradle. Speaking about the issue of education, what sort of education are you thinking about here? Because it's not as though people don't understand that what they are saying, what they are doing is wrong, which is why it happens for the most part around dinner tables and at the braai in their little enclaves, as it were. So what sort of education needs to be done here? Well, I think there are two elements to it. One is for people to actually really have a very close understanding of history. So people who maybe have gone around the dinner table um, making these kinds of um, uh, 
uh, racist, uh, uh, supremacist kind of um, approaches and inculcating that into their children need to have a situation where their children are able to answer back in terms of the kind of history, but also in terms of the institutions that we have. You know, there are churches, if those churches or if those mosques or if those um, uh, synagogues or, or temples are feel people who are part of that, um, that particular community feel under threat, they'll understand what insults do to them, how those same insults can, or different insults uh, using different kinds of, of mechanisms can feel in a racial context. I mean, if you look at the fact that we have a, a person in, a, in the United States of America who feels that he has license to speak in the way that he does about the Muslim community, it's the same kinds of issues at play here. It's people needing to understand that it is unacceptable to, to be speaking in this kind of derogatory manner because people have different People have different um, uh, uh, belief systems. People have different uh, cultural systems. But most importantly, we have a situation where we've got to inculcate the need for people to respect, the need to embrace diversity. And that's the kind of education we need. History is one of the most important stars, and the way in which we teach history is probably at a very, very big deficit in this country. Okay, let me just speak to Dr. Nyati before I come to you, Shaka. Dr. Nyati is a father and worried about the views espoused by um, the likes of Penny Sparrow. Dr. Nyati, welcome. Uh, hi, 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 Sakina. Um, well, you know, uh, this is a very, very serious issue that uh, you guys are talking about. And, um, you know, some of us, you know, um, as black people, um, you know, it hits very, very, very close. Um, as a parent, you know, 22 years after this new project of uh, the New South Africa, to still have people like Penny Sparrow, uh, uh, Justin von Furen, telling us straight that uh, we are nothing but uh, monkeys or animals, you know, it really, really is a problem. I mean, what do I tell my kids who are born free uh, about the New South Africa that we are trying to develop, the world that we are trying to prepare them for? You know, so for myself, you know, after reading through all of these things this past weekend, uh, I felt, you know, um, the only legal process one needs to follow is to create a, a petition, an online petition, and uh, report these people to the HRC, uh, and hopefully, you know, a strong action could be taken via them where there must be consequences uh, for this kind of thing. You know, uh, a lot of us, wanted to be part of this new project. We reconciled with people who didn't do good things uh, in the past, but uh, it seems they are getting bolder and bolder in terms of trying to tell us that uh, we don't belong in this country of ours. Uh, and I think uh, that kind of thing is unacceptable. Uh, and so I think the HRC and any other agencies of government we now need to have some legislation that will make sure that uh, uh, people like uh, Penny Sparrow, uh, they learn that uh, this is no place for racism. And by the way, racism not only from white to black, but also even blacks who are racist, uh, I think action should be taken. So, But the bulk of the victims are obviously people like us. Uh, I can't be told by uh, Penny Sparrow 
you know, that uh, I'm a monkey, uh, I'm uneducated, you know. Uh, he knows nothing about us. Uh, she knows nothing about us, but uh, she has the nerve to go out there and create havoc. So all I'm trying to say, Sakina, is that uh, it's about time uh, that South Africans, uh, black and white, they stand up. Uh, we have zero tolerance to any form of racism. Right. Uh, as a parent, I cannot be able to tell uh, my children, you know, what kind of future uh, we're going to have in South Africa if we continue like this. In the business world, there's so much racism, you know. The business people that we work with, um, you know, competitors, racism is always there. But I think it's time to confront it head on and uh, deal with it once and for all. Thank you so much, Dr. Nyati Lota in Johannesburg. Good morning. Lotta? Hi, how are you? Good. Um, look, the comment that I just want to make is that um, it is not true that uh, the HRC hasn't seen such cases. Last year, I lodged a complaint with them with regards to us being called baboons by the whites, and they never investigated that case. They have a full document with all the details. Um, they also have got my details as well. And um, uh, there is a feeling as well that they are just there to protect these people. And that's what they've been doing. Uh, the apology is that they would always come back to say these people must apologize. That's not acceptable. We cannot continue to be called baboons. Simple. That's it. Thank you so much. A lot of Shaka Sisulu. Yeah, I mean, a lot has been said. Um, I think one of the things that we haven't addressed was one of the gentlemen coming and being an apologist and said, well, you know, state of the beaches was like this and like that. I, I think it's unacceptable that there, is, there can be no justification for these kind of racial statements, particularly given the context of South Africa. You know, you said it yourself that these racial statements are meant to dehumanize. It's the very basis of this dehumanization that led us to having segregated laws way before apartheid came into place. And when the border and the, and the English were fighting, one of the issues of contention was that, no, these are not humans, they are subhumans, these blacks, so we can do what we like with them. So for that idea to continue to, uh, uh, you, you know, to dominate our thinking that black people are subhumans, they're monkeys, they're not humans, is completely unacceptable. I do think that for me, this period has made me ask the question, what are my options? What are the options available to black people when they feel offended by these racial slurs? I think that it has to go beyond the Human Rights Commission. Surely, it can't just be one organization that kind of will mediate, but it doesn't have any power to prosecute anyone. So we need to look at every available option, including uh, 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 civil cases that actually will, will hit people where it hurts most, their pockets. So uh, I also agree that the boycott movement needs to gain momentum, but the problem is white people own the means of production in South Africa. So, you know, you can say that boycott, inevitably you're going to end up still going back to the same organizations that are protecting and shielding and run by these racists. Well, uh, that's unfortunately all we have time for this morning. Shaka Sisulu, Commissioner Janet Love, Acting Chairperson at the South African Human Rights Commission. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And thanks to everybody who participated because we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of work to be done, but then the question arises... 
who has to do the work and what exactly that will entail. So much more to come. Thank you so much. We're going to put those messages up. I'll also try and read some of those tomorrow when we start the show, uh, just to give you, um, you know, a sense of where people's minds are at regarding this, because it is a serious issue and we need to deal with it sooner rather than later. It's nine o'clock and time for the latest news with Norm Samdluli.